0: What I like at this time is to ask for our children and the teachers if they'd be dismissed and they can go off to their classes. As you open up your bulletins, I want you to open them up, take out the outlines, do whatever you'd like with those outlines. Whatever you'd like. Some of you actually like to follow along and fill in as we go over the outline. In the book of Second Peter, very exciting, exciting book of Second Peter, we are in chapter 2. My favorite chapter is chapter 1, what we've been through as he lays a foundation of our faith, as he tells us we need the Word of God. I was so blessed today that someone came up to me and said, you know, I've been reading the Word now six days in a row. Whoever you are, I know who you are. Keep it up, okay? Next year at this time, you'll tell me you've read the word 371 days in a row. That's what I want to hear. Keep up the good work. Second Peter chapter 2 is an interesting chapter. Um, I remember back a number of years ago, I was at Moody Bible Institute. I went there in 1974. And one day I remember going to school. And, you know, some mornings you wake up feeling good. And uh, in those days I didn't drink coffee. So uh, some days I'd wake up good, some days not so good. This one day I remember waking up good and off I went to school. I was bounding. I felt pretty good that morning. I remember. I felt alert and good and clear. And I got to school and a friend of mine walked up to me and says, Oh, Larry. I said, yeah. He goes, oh, you look, you look tired. And I went, oh. And for the rest of the day I was exhausted. I felt so good. How could his word, just like that, change me? Just like that, I felt exhausted and tired. And, you know, I'm sure it was just a mind game, but I did. I felt exhausted and tired for the rest of the day. Because words influence, for good or for bad, people influence our friends, our families, our relatives. You know, we all, I grow up, sticks and stones may break, my butt, but words will never hurt me. That is not true. Words kill. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. So don't ever think that words can't hurt you. Classic thing I read that many of you have heard. If a child lives with criticism, he learns to condemn. If a child lives with hostility, he learns to fight. If a child lives with fear, he learns to be apprehensive. If a child lives with pity, he learns to feel sorry for himself. If a child lives with jealousy, he learns to feel guilty. Words could be for good or bad to affect and change us. If a child lives with encouragement, he learns to be self-confident. If a child lives with tolerance, he learns to be patient. If a child lives with praise, he learns to be appreciative child lives with acceptance, he learns to love. If the child lives with approval, he learns to like himself. If the child lives with recognition, he learns to have a goal. a child lives with fairness, he learns what justice is. If a child lives with honesty, he learns what truth is. If a child lives with sincerity, he learns to have faith in himself and those around him. If a child lives with love, he learns that the world is a wonderful place to live in. Our words influence us all the time. My dad, growing up, I had a very good relationship with my dad. I understand it's not the common, but I had a great relationship with my dad. I called him my pal. We were very, very, very close. And the words and my values, though I have values as believers, really came from my dad. And I always refer to many, many things that my dad told me. It's changed. it's changed my life. It's controlled many of the things throughout my whole life. My dad used to tell me, when you hang out, kids, teenagers, hang out all the time. My dad always told me, when you hang out, he used to say, hang out with the good kids. And I hear you say, you mean there's some bad? Oh, yes, there's bad, and there's good. My dad said, pick, pick the good kids to hang out with those who don't get in trouble in school, those who don't get in trouble with the law, those who are not up to mischief, hang out with the good kids and more than likely, they will influence you to be good. And my dad used to say, hang out with the smart kids. They were the geeks. He says, hang out with the smart kids. You may pick up something. You may pick up the ability to read or want to read. You might pick up Things, good things. Hang out with those who are smart, smarter than you. Don't be defensive. But, but there's many smarter than us. Hang out with the market. I was an athlete. My dad was an athlete. You know what he used to tell me? Hang out with the athletes who are better than you. Really, it, it sounds like, you know, he's being prejudiced. And th- he would say, you yeah, hang out with those who are better than you. They lift up your standard to go better and better. Because people influence for good or for bad. All the time, Peter, in chapter two, verses only one to three, Peter is trying to influence his readership, his body, his congregation, not really, but the, the believers, because he was like the elder. And he told them in second, uh, uh, second Peter, chapter two, verses one to three, he said, "Beware, Watch out for the bad people." That's what Peter's saying. Three verses. I could summarize the whole message. I mean, I'll say a lot of stuff. I'll fill it in with a lot of rabbit trails. But listen, Peter is saying today, really, one thing. Beware. That's your message today. Beware. Beware of what? I'll tell you what to beware of. Peter says beware, really, in the sense of the bad. Beware of the bad. What we can do is be equipped. So when you leave here today, if you forget everything I say, I want you to beware And second, be equipped of what you're beware of. So follow along. If you have your outlines, take it out for a minute. Your outlines. I want to tell you what Peter is really telling us to be aware of. Fill it in under what we call the MI or the main idea, because you're always wondering what MI is. You think I spell me wrong. But anyway, MI, main idea. We should be warned is what Peter's going to tell you. We should be warned. We should be equipped. Be warned, be equipped against false teachers who will try to destroy our faith. We are believers. We are a minority. Everyone look up here. You know, not the newcomers. You know, I divide the world into two bubbles. The one on the left are the non-believers, some good, some bad. I didn't say, um, just good and bad. The bubble on the right are believers, those who have accepted Messiah. These people, good and bad, they just have never said, Yeshua is my Messiah. I want to receive him into my heart and my life. I want to put my trust in him. They could be good, bad. I'm not dealing with their actions, their morality, or what they stand for. They just have never accepted Yeshua as their atonement. On the left, on the right, are believers. These people, listen carefully, good and bad. Some of, most, all of them have said, I'm a sinner, I'm separated from God. I believe Yeshua is my Messiah, and I want to put my trust in him and I receive him. That's the two worlds that the whole world's really divided up. You're in one bubble or the other, whether you want to admit it or not. The Bible teaches us. And so Peter is telling us we should be warned and equipped against false teachers, false philosophies, false theories, people who want to try to destroy our faith. Those in this bubble Peter is saying, are always attacked. Always attacked by people in the other bubble. Listen carefully. And to even by those in the bubble, we have to beware. And Peter, he's giving us a message that you find throughout the whole Bible. Beware, believers. There are people, the world, let me put it this way. Satan, his demons, his henchmen, and people throughout the world are always out to destroy the spiritual, godly, believer that's what peter's saying in barely three verses to beware so we should be warned and equipped against false teachers who are going to try to destroy our faith the question is who are the false teachers listen carefully who the false teachers are there are false teachers and philosophers over in this bubble who attack the believers there's false teachers here who want to make us look silly Brainwashed, stupid, and backward, and they attacked us all the time. False people in the world. Listen carefully. There are false teachers in our bubble as well. Oh, they're saved because you know how to get saved. You know how you get in this bubble. Not by works, by everything you've done, but you've accepted Messiah. You know you are a sinner. You've accepted Yeshua. You've put your trust in Him and received Him. You're in this bubble that does not make you perfect. I mean, you still can do many, many things wrong. You still have the desires and passions that you once had before. But you could also become a false teacher. So when I say false teachers, it could be either one. Just, you know, don't try to pinpoint certain group. It could be anyone out there. Really what I'm saying when I say false teachers is anyone who tries to take you away from our faith that we know from the scriptures. So follow along if you have your outlines. Roman number one, the first thing really that Peter is trying to tell us is false teachers will arise. They're always going to arise. It's part of our life. They're going to arise wherever you go to ruin our faith. False teachers. And Peter's going to tell us what they're going to try to do. Really, if I could summarize it very quickly. Three things he's going to say. They're going to teach heresy. They're going to try to lead you astray. We'll deal with that in a minute. And they're going to try to take advantage of you. So look, A, they will teach heresy. Heresy really is anything that's different from our traditional faith. And I'll explain what that is in a minute. Heresy is that which is really uh, contrary to what we believed for 2,000 years Contrary to the word of God, contrary to what we have known to be true. Second Peter, chapter two, verse one, Peter begins. He says, but false prophets arose, also arose among the people. And Peter is trying to tell us here, false prophets are arising from us as believers from the world. But you know what Peter is saying? Throughout history, from the beginning, there have always been false prophets false teachers. Ollie, trace throughout all history. You go back to how many of you always see false teachers, false philosophies, false prophets, or false priests, you'll see false. Always because false always rises up against God's truth. And Peter's trying to warn us against the false teachers that are going to try to ruin what we have, our faith. You go back to the first five books, the law, the Torah. Moses warned the people. You know, this is a very, very important thing. Believers need to warn one another because there's false teachers out there trying to destroy our faith. Moses rose up and in, in fact in the book of Deuteronomy before Moses died 40 years in Egypt and 40 years in the wilderness Then Moses led them up on the side of the Jordan on the, the east side of the Jordan River And before the Jewish people went in Moses wrote Deuteronomy Which is really his last five sermons that he gave the people and he said beware false prophets They're gonna arise, false messiahs false teachers And he tells you how to beware and the reason it's so important to be aware is because they can ruin your life. Take you away from that which is good and proper from the word of God. Moses warned us. And throughout Israel's history, you see it. Follow along with me. You see that in 1 Kings, we should know the story. But if not, First Kings, uh, there's a king by the name of Ahab. This is probably about the ninth, cent- uh, eighth, ninth century BCE when Elijah was preaching. And King Ahab was on the throne. And this this is amazing. When you think of it in 1 Kings, when you think of this, the believers in Elijah were the minority. The majority stood for falsehood. The majority persecuted the truth. And Elijah's preaching. We see a lot of false teachers. Look what Elijah did because he had a confrontation between their God and his God. And Elijah says, First Kings 18. Now then, send and gather to me all Israel, everyone at Mount Carmel. Now, if you go with me to Israel, we'll stand on Mount Carmel. It's a nice sight. It's a great day. We'll sing, these are the days of Elijah. It's, it's really nice when you get up there. And it, it, ah, sidetracked. I'm sorry. You got to. You get up there on Mount Carmel with me. And if you've never been there before... It's amazing because you walk up and there's a Catholic monastery there everywhere. But anyway, you walk up there and you go up on the scene. You go out in there on a platform and I keep everyone, you know, walking this way. And all of a sudden they turn and they look and they go. And you see the Valley of Armageddon. It's a great, great sight. If it's a clear day, if it's not, you don't see anything. But it's a great, great sight. Mount Carmel, where you see Elijah gets up there and he's having a confrontation. And he's telling the Jewish people, turn back to God. He says, I represent God And this false prophet, watch, watch, look what he says, the false prophets. He says, gather all them together, 450 prophets of Baal. 450, there was more, but he gathered the 450 false prophets of Baal. And he said, 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. These were people that taught evil and wickedness and turned them to turn away from God, turn away from the faith, because the majority normally takes away from truth. And Elijah alone stood on that mountain. 850 false prophets against him. Against him. Again, him. What am I, a cowboy? Against him. And uh, Ahab and all the Jewish people, all, one lone figure. And he says, Beware of those false prophets. And he has a great confrontation. Because there's always false prophets to destroy you. Listen carefully. Believers today, you who want to pray and read and follow God and worship Him, listen, beware. They're after you. I don't have a persecution complex. But they're after you. They want you to become neutral. They want you to be just a so-so believer. They want to lower your faith in God. 250 years later, we see Jeremiah. I'm just picking isolated pink parts. Jeremiah 5. He says the prophets prophesied falsely. False prophets all over Israel. Jeremiah was a lone figure. Just a lone figure that they tried to destroy. They wanted to kill him. The priests, they rule by their own authority, not by God's. And my people love it so. You know, I underlined this. this, this, this very, I'll deal with this a little bit more. But look what it says. False prophets, false priests, and the people of Israel love it. The people like the false teaching. The people have a tendency to go in the wrong direction. Don't get high and mighty if you're walking with God and praying and serving him. Because that's God's grace. Without God's grace, you go the opposite way. That's what's in us. The people love the false teaching. That's what they want to hear. They don't want to hear godly teaching. Jeremiah said, um, Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 11. Both prophet and priest are polluted. Even in my house, I have found their wickedness declared. In my house, there's wickedness. Because, you know... I think I told you, Mike Brown, he's a great preacher. Mike Brown, really intelligent. I call the believer who's strong and on fire and loves the Lord a fanatic. And you oh, I don't like that. I don't want to be a fanatic. Yes, you do. You want to be a fanatic. Just a controlled, wise, discerning fanatic. But you want to be a fanatic. Mike Brown, and he's probably right, says the average believer should be that way. He says that you should be average. The average believer, that's what we're called to do, to be godly and spiritual. So he and I mean the same thing. But look what he says. He says they're polluted. Even in my house. Verse 13. Moreover, among the prophets uh, uh, prophets of Samaria, I saw an offensive thing among our own prophets. They prophesied by Baal, not by God. They let our people. And he says they lead my people astray. The people that love it are going their way. And these false prophets are leading them astray and say, yeah, good, keep it up. And they say, yeah, come, 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 They're leading us astray. They love it and I like it and everyone's happy. And the prophets and priests are getting rich and taking advantage of the people. Jeremiah 23. Among the prophets of Jerusalem, I have seen a horrible thing. The committing of adultery and walking in falsehood. And they strengthen the hands of evildoers so that no one has turned back from his wickedness. All of them have become to me like the worst picture in the Bible, Sodom and Gomorrah. Jeremiah 23, he goes on, verse 16, Thus says the Lord, Do not listen to the words of these prophets who are prophesying to you. They are leading you into futility, emptiness, vanity. They are ruining your life. Remember what I just find successful as? Those who find out God's will and does it. That's real life. The rest of the world leads you into futility and the things that the world has you seek after and Hollywood and the glamour and the glitz and success. All that is futility. There's only one thing that counts. Loving him, serving him, living your life for him. That's at the end of your life where you'll be able to go, that was good. The Lord will smile at you and say, you did good. It's the only thing that matters. The things we think matter really do not. They lead you into futility. They speak a vision of their own imagination. Not from my mouth. They don't speak from my mouth. Be careful, everyone. Be careful who you listen to. I was afraid to write this down. I wrote this in my notes. Be careful who you listen to and who you follow. I said to myself, I might say that and everyone get up and walk out. No, no, no. (laughs) Be careful who you listen to. About 50 years or so later, another prophet comes along. Ezekiel, he says the same thing. They see these prophets see falsehood and lying divination who are saying to you, the Lord declares the Lord does not declare, though they say he declares. Just because someone says the Bible says and the Lord declares does not mean it's true. Ezekiel says the Lord declares when the Lord has not sent them. Yet they hope for the fulfillment or they hope that it doesn't work out. Ezekiel says, do you not see, uh, do you not see a false vision and speak a lying divination when you say the Lord declares, but it is not I who have spoken. Ezekiel says, beware of the false prophets. So history tells us way back all the way up to uh, through Ezekiel and through Jeremiah and all the way up to the coming of false prophets all the time. There's always false teachers out there. And what they say, please remember the world and all of us. Like it. That's our natural tendency. Ah, Tell me more. I like that. We naturally go the wrong way. way. Jeremiah 17.9 says. The heart is deceitful above all else. And desperately wicked. That's the direction we normally go. Now all of a sudden. All of history changes. the, The culmination. The climax of all history. Messiah comes. Yeshua comes. Dies for our sins. Is resurrected and changes life. Changes life. To someone said I, my voice drops sometimes. It does. But Yeshua comes and the apostles and those prophets preach the coming of Messiah. And they form what we call the right bubble. That's when it started. 2,000 years ago at Pentecost. Just to let you know. It's, I inform you. I teach you that way. But the right bubble. When did it all start? There is an invisible spiritual uh, bubble that began on the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago. Why I said that, I forget. But anyway, so there's a... Where was I? Oh, yeah, yeah. So Messiah has been resurrected. A new bubble has been formed. Something new is taking place. In a sense, a new truth. Spirit of God comes to live in us. New things have taken place from Pentecost on. So you have to realize, new things come. Guess what happens along with that? Everyone, tell me. Good. New false prophets arise. New false teachers arise. When truth rises up, so does the enemy. And that's what Peter's saying. Beware, beware, beware. You leave here today, just to say, Larry told us one thing. Beware. Also, be equipped. Here we go. So, Messiah comes, and Peter preaches, still in verse 1. Powerful verse. I'll summarize later, so don't worry if we're, we're going slow. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as you also. Just as there will also be false teachers among you. Peter is telling us new false prophets. New false teachers. Back in Peter's time. And today. They will lead us into sin. They will lead us into evil. They will lead us away from God and his word. Today they will. You think you're ready. No one's going to lead you. But it's done very subtly and Peter's time. There's another uh, prophet around that time. A guy named Jude. Follow along what Jude says. Certain people, persons, have crept in unnoticed. Slipping in there. Sliding in. Where did they come from? They look nice. We'll see in a minute. Jude says certain people have crept in unnoticed. Those who are long before and marked out for this condemnation, even though they look good. Ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness. What in the world does licentiousness mean? It really means lawlessness. You know what these people taught? These were believers that sang. Yeshua died for my sins. I've accepted him. I'm going to heaven. So now I can live like the devil. That's what licentiousness means. And there were people that taught that. Doesn't matter what you do. You could be sexual and have immorality and there'd be drunkenness and you could do all kinds of wickedness. And that's okay because now we are free. That's what those people taught, licentiousness. And people creep into the body of Messiah and don't tell me to be bound, limited, me read the Bible, pray, go to services, Peter. I want to do anything I want. That's licentiousness. Believers can teach that. It's wrong. And Jude says, beware of those who teach that. And de- they deny our only Master and Lord Yeshua, the Messiah. And maybe not always outwardly, but they'll deny Galatians is the opposite. There's believers that say, do anything you want. And there's believers that say, you can't do anything. You're stuck and bound. That's the opposite in Galatians chapter two. But it will be, but it was because of false brethren secretly brought in, but it was because of the false brethren secretly brought in who sneaked in to spy out our liberty, the freedom that we do have which we have in the messiah in order to bring us into bondage these people licentious wants to say no restraints do anything you want these people say no no you can't do anything before you have to just follow rigid that's what we call legalism you only follow a set of rules and you think that's pleasing god there's a balance and god has that balance and freedom but how do they teach this follow along i mean if, I, if someone comes to me and tells me, you can't do anything, you got to do this. You're, this is how you please God. If someone tells me, go out, commit adultery, do anything you want. How do they do this? I could, you could easily expose that, can't you? You could easily see it, can't you? Uh-uh. Second Corinthians, Rabbi Saul, Apostle Paul writes it this way. For such men are false apostles. Oh, I'll recognize them pretty easy, won't I? Deceitful workers, oh, I'll spot them anywhere disguising themselves as apostles of Messiah well they talk a good game talk about the Messiah they talk about God no wonder he says for even Satan himself disguises himself as an angel of light they come beautiful they disguise themselves and we follow along he says therefore not only Satan comes as an angel of light to trick you and deceive you and lead you astray not only does Satan come therefore it's not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as ministers, servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. They come in trickery to deceive you. You say, well, what can we do? Not yet, not yet. I'm just telling them they're coming. Beware, they're coming. And you won't always be able to recognize them. Acts, we read, verse 29, uh, chapter uh, 20, verse 29 and 30. I know, he says, Paul says, or actually Luke, who's writing it, speaks about Paul. He says, I know that after my departure, after I leave you, Paul says, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing any of you. And, not from, and, and from among your own selves, even your own groups, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Beware of false prophets. They will arise to destroy us. Peter says in verse one, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you. Then he goes on to say, who will secretly introduce destructive heresies. The word secretly introduced there means smuggle it in. Get it in without you even aware of it. The word actually means to infiltrate, smuggle, come alongside of what you believe. False teachings, false beliefs. question is, and you might want to write this down. What are those destructive heresies? Well, there's a few areas where they come in. They talk about this area of salvation. What does it mean to be saved? Well, here is what salvation is. I've described it to you many, many times. Salvation is a person who recognizes that Yeshua died for my sins. He accepts him into his heart and life. He puts his trust in him. He accepts him. That saves a person. People will tell you, oh, no, well, that's good. That's the beginning. Right away, it's false heresy. As soon as someone says that. Listen, it's by God's grace, through faith in Yeshua, the Messiah. Period. That's it. Everyone say this. By grace, through faith, in Yeshua's death and resurrection. Very good. You're You're good. Everyone say, period. That's it. No works. Don't add to it. There's nothing you can do. Anyone who adds anything to it, well, you got it, yeah. After you do that, but you got to really work and pray and read false teaching. You know me, I teach, read, pray, and do all that. But that doesn't add to salvation. You mean to tell me, that if someone truly in their heart receives Yeshua, puts their trust in Him as His Messiah and Savior, and accepts Him? And he never again for the rest of his life, reads, prays, worships or anything. He's going to heaven. Listen carefully. Yes. Now they would say, well, shouldn't he? Yeah, he should. He should worship. He should pray. He should read. And the spirit of God does come in and nudge us in that direction. But salvation. Anyone who adds to what salvation is. Anything. Every false cult and every group and every false teacher adds to salvation. The gospel is Yeshua died, was resurrected for our sins. You believe and put your trust in the gospel. Nothing else. Anyone who adds anything to it, it's a false teaching. False teachers always add. That's destructive heresies. Anyone who adds or takes away from the word of God. Second, I said first salvation. Second, the Bible. Anyone who says any part of the Bible should not be there. It's false teaching. Anyone who adds the, well, it's the watchtower. And any other books. Anyone who adds to that. False teaching. Heresy. What governs my life? Listen carefully. Genesis to Revelation. Governs my life. I used to love when my neighbor in Jersey said. Larry, you are the most unorthodox minister I have ever known. I said good. Because I don't follow what you think I'm supposed to do. I follow what the Bible teaches me. Now there's a lot of people think what the Bible teaches but they don't know because they don't read it and they just make up their own what they like. Anyone who adds to the Bible or someone tells you even believers say, "Well, listen, Larry's a little bit fanatic. You don't have to read every day." Yeah, that's bad. That's bad teaching. I'm not going to say it's heresy but i told you like i said last week if you're reading the bible two or three times a week trust me you will soon be reading it two or three times a month trust me you'll soon be reading it twi- two or three times a year trust me you'll never read it again that's the normal direction anyone who takes away from the word of god who adds to it anyone who says you know the bible's good that's good it's good for women and children but we need to read good philosophy and good books read that also anyone who takes away from the word of god heresy, destructive, ruination. When they deal with, uh, uh, there was three things. I only can remember two. It sounds like a deja vu. Uh, no, no, no. No, no, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> okay. Some of you are getting a little slower. Okay. <laughs> if I'm serious. Can someone help me? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Salvation. The word of God. Messiah. right? Messiah, anyone who touches Yeshua, it's false, heretical teaching. Anyone who says to you, oh, Yeshua was a good man. Oh, beware. That's dangerous. My antennas go up. Well, wasn't he good? Of course. But they don't mean just that he was a good man. He's more than that. Anyone who says to you, well, you know, he was a prophet. Oh, beware. He was a prophet. But he was also the prophet. Anyone who who says Yeshua was not just man. He was above man. He was like an angel. Oh, heresy, dangerous teaching. Stay away. Anyone who says that Yeshua was any less than God is heretical. Now, listen carefully. Someone might say, yeah, yeah, well, he was the son of God. Beware. He was the son of God. But in that culture, that meant he was God equal with the phrase son of God meant equal with equality with the father. We today don't mean it that way. When we say the son of God, it means junior. He came after. He wasn't quite as good as his father. That's not what the original word meant. So when you hear people say son of God, beware though he was, they don't know and understand. Beware of the false teachings. Beware of those who deny the resurrection and are into reincarnation. Beware of those who are saying there's no heaven and no hell. Beware. Beware. That's what Peter is saying here. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies. Those who teach you that it's good to worship once in a while. It cleanses your soul. Beware. You should be worshiping all the time regularly with God's people. 2 Peter 2.1 A very controversial verse at the end of verse 1. But false prophets are going to arise, he said. I get that now. Among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you, who will secretly introduce destructive heresies to destroy you. Even now watch this phrase. Very strange. The theologians go back and forth on this phrase. This is a very big phrase discussed in Bible schools and seminaries. Even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Now, some of you might not see any problem, but there is a problem here. These men, watch this, they deny the master, Yeshua, and they have been bought. Yeshua died for them, died for their sins. They've been bought. And yet, it brings swift destruction among themselves. Wait a second, are you telling me there are people who Yeshua died for and they're going to be eternally destroyed this verse is a problem for a lot of people and there's numbers of different interpretations let me give you a couple real quick if i can one this is not so quick it's a little uh sidetrack but first first interpretation of this verse is these people who deny the lord that bought them people say this is believers who deny the lord and lost their salvation now there's some of you here in this congregation that believe that you can accept the Lord, you put your trust in him, you move into this bubble, but if you sin bad enough and you don't worship enough, you don't read and pray and you do evil and you do all kinds of things, you can lose that bubble, be taken out of that bubble and slip back into this bubble. Some of you believe that. That's wrong. Not heretical, but it's wrong. You can't lose what God gave you. It says he's given it to you eternally. For eternity, he's given that to you. You can't lose that salvation. But that's the first interpretation. Follow along with me on a little sidetrack if you can, some verses. John three sixteen. we read it today. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. If I tell you you have a bad cancer and you're going to live for five months, how long are you going to live for? Well, if I'm right, about five months. You have pancreatic cancer. I tell you, you're going to live a year. Maybe you'll live a year. But yet God says you have eternal life. How long is that, folks? That's for, you got it forever. Follow along with me. Yeah, I just picked a couple of my favorites. 524. Truly, truly, Yeshua says to you, he who hears my word and believes him, accepts him, puts his trust in Messiah, believes him who sent me, has eternal life, does not come into judgment, but is passed out of death into life. You have it Forever. John 10 is my favorite. Yeshua says, and I give to them eternal life. Yeshua gave me eternal life. Everyone look up here. I'll say it again. On January 15th, 1972, God gave me eternal life forever. Forever. He gave that to me and he says, he gave me eternal life. And I, Larry Feldman, and those of you who put your trust in him, I don't know who has and who hasn't, only God knows, will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. I love these two verses. You know why? Yeshua says, if you put your trust in me, you're in my hand. He's telling, teaching you, you're secure. You're safe forever. That's the teaching. Be careful. Watch what else he says. My father, who's given them to me, I have you. My father also in heaven is greater than all. No one is able to snatch him out of my father's hand. Yeshua. I'll say for you folks. It's forever. And then I hear you, some of you object. And you say, yeah, but how about if I jump out? It's not in the text. Forgive the word. It's stupid. You're just adding to it. It's silly. You can't get out. The tip, the passage is teaching us you are safe and secure, and there is nothing that can get you out of the father 's grasp, nothing that can get you out of the son's grasp. not even yourselves, you are eternally secure. Look what he says in Romans eight who 's going to separate me from the love of messiah? who, what? Will tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, pearls, sword, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nothing. I mean, listen to the tone of what the Bible's teaching us. No angels, no demons. No present and nothing present or in the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, heaven or hell, he's saying. Nothing nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate me from the love of God, which is only in the Messiah, Yeshua. You are safe. And then one of my favorite steps. "Yeah, You are. So therefore, love him and serve him. First John, one of my favorites. Here's the testimony of God that God has given to us eternal life. Here it is. This and this life is in his son. You know, I asked my mom after she prayed to receive the Lord. Where is Yeshua now? She goes, what do you think? I'm a dummy. Why? She goes, I asked him in. He's in. Is he in your heart or not? Have you accepted him or not? Here's the te- witness. That God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. That's how you get eternal life. He who has the Son has life. Do you have the Son? You have life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. It's easy. I didn't say you're a good or bad person. You don't have the Son. You don't have life. You have the Son. You have eternal life. That's it. These things I've written to you, John says, so that you, th- those who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you might know for certain you have eternal life. We're safe. Get back to Second Peter 1. Quick. He said, so these people, who are they? It can't be that they were uh, lost, uh, that they were saved and then they lost it, he says. Another interpretation, even denying the very master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Some people take the word bought to mean created. So that you would read it, these people deny the master who created them. That's a stretch. The Bible doesn't say that. And you can't translate that word to be creation. That's false too. Then there's other people that say about this verse, uh, they say they, these people deny the master um, who bought them. Some people say that this is the false prophets, that as they teach you, they're saying, oh, no, I'm saved. He bought me too. I, he's died for me too. It's, it's, not, it's not what Peter is saying. They're just adding words to the false prophets. There's a fourth interpretation. It's saying that, that these people who uh, deny the Lord who bought them were saved, but they died physically. The Lord says, bringing swift destruction upon themselves, but the passage seems to be pointing us to eternal destruction, eternal death. The fifth is what I told to, the fifth and last interpretation of this verse. These people deny the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. I believe these people are not saved. I believe these people are in this left, left bubble. They were never saved. But then you say, wait a second, but it says he bought them. And in theological circles, they discuss this all the time. They say, did Yeshua die just for us believers? Or did he die for everybody? And I believe the Bible teaches us that he died for everybody. But it doesn't mean everybody is saved. He's made it possible. He's paid for it. He's died and bought for all of us. Follow along here. In uh, First Timothy, chapter 2, 6, it says, Yeshua gave himself as a ransom for everybody, for all. The testimony at the proper time. Messiah died for everyone. He bought everybody. But you must apply it. If I have a sickness, a disease or so, and the doctor gives me a prescription, and this has happened, he gives me the prescription that will help and heal me and help me. There's two things I do with that. I want to tell you. I, This is Actually, there's three things I do with that. All the time. You do it too. I get the prescription. And a year later, I see the prescription. Never did a thing with it. And we do that all the time. There's a second thing I do with it. I take that prescription and I go to the doctor. Uh, to the pharmacist. He fills it. I put it in my closet. And it sits there. And I never use it. These are two things I do. And on occasion, I go there. Get the prescription, take it home, and I apply it. And it works. Yeshua died for everybody. But not everyone has applied what he did. Everyone, you know how to apply it, don't you? Sorry, got to do it again. Lord, I'm a sinner. I believe Yeshua died for me. I believe I'm separated from you. I now accept Yeshua, put my trust in him, and receive him into my heart and my life. I've applied it. Yeshua's death is sufficient for all. But it's efficient for some. It's effective for some. Those who apply it. Just knowing the facts. Some people can leave her and say, you know, Yeshua died for the sins of the world. You're not saved. I raised my hand in seminary and said to the teacher, wait a second. There's someone in my congregation. I said to my teacher who's sitting there, sitting. And he goes, I believe that. Yeshua, Jesus died for me. Was resurrected. I believe that's true. I said, is he saved? The teacher goes, no. He's got to go down to the pharmacist, get the prescription, and he's got to apply it. He's got to put his trust in it and receive it. It's not enough to know it. You must make a choice to apply it. Look what it says. Strange verse here. First Timothy 4.10. For uh, it is for this we labor and strive because we have fixed our hope on the living God who is the Savior of all men what else does it say? Read it. Those who've applied it, especially the believers. Hebrews 2. But we do see him, Yeshua, who's made for a little while lower than the angels, namely Yeshua, because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor so that the grace of God, uh, he might taste death for everyone. Yeshua died for the world. Your healing is there. You must receive it. John 2.2 2. is a knockout punch for me. He himself is the satisfaction. Propitiation for our sins. But not just for our sins. But also for those of the whole world. Yeshua died for all. But only believers have applied it. We've lost sight of what I was teaching here. uh, Letter A there. False teachers will teach heresy. I took a rabbit trail. I had to teach it. Two. They will lead you astray. That's what false teachers do. They teach heresy heresy, and then they take you and lead you down the wrong path as you smile and go into ruin. That's what he says in verse, follow along here, Second uh, 2 Peter 2.2. 2. Many will follow their sensuality. I stopped, I thought of this throughout the week. They will lead you in their sensuality. Sensuality here is being uncontrolled living, uncontrolled sexual immorality, uncontrolled lust, drugs, parties. How do they lead us? We, we're strong. I'm not going to go down in a moral way with drugs and sex and drinking. And well, I, there's no way. Listen, I want to tell you today two reasons you come here, according to the experts. Here's two reasons you come here. Some of you come for you think for Steve. Eh, it's nice. I, I like. Steve. I come for that. I like Steve. Some of you come to like to see me. Some. You yeah, like to hear what I'm supposed to say. Some of you swear that's why you come. But the experts tell us why anyone comes here. And they say there's only two reasons people come to synagogue, church, congregation, whatever. you. Two reasons why people come. Friends made is one. Friends made is two. Needs met. That's the only two reasons people come. Friends made. Needs met. Well, what if you're teaching heresy and wickedness? They'll make you make friends, meet your needs, you will follow anyone anywhere. That's what we do because our hearts are deceitful above all else and desperately wicked. We naturally go in the wrong direction. That's what we do. Years ago, when I was spiritual, I said, I'm not going to watch R-rated movies. Since then, I've become unspiritual. Now I do. No, I and I had a rule: don't watch R-rated movies. I can handle violence, but I can't uh, handle sex and nudity. So I'd watch. So eventually, I said, all right, I'll give in. I'll watch the R-rated movies that only show violence. So that affects you too. Remember, everything influences you. But I had a friend of mine, and he says to me one day, he says, I know why you don't watch R-rated movies. I said, really? Tell me why I don't. He says, because you want to. Oh, he's right. I don't watch them because I want to. Takes me down the wrong path because that's what my heart naturally does. So we have to use little discipline and spirituality and godliness and ask God to help us not to go down the wrong path. These leaders Second Peter two two. They you will follow their sensuality. And I and I say, Yeah, how do you do it? Because of you know what they're because that's what we do. He says, Because of them, the way of truth will be twisted. That's where we go. I have a, a church caller who calls for me to speak in churches. And so she calls all kinds of churches. And you know, occasionally she gets a call, she calls somebody, and they say, Oh, you're not one of those groups that teaches that Salvation's only by accepting Yeshua. Are you? This is a church. Goes, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're so limited and backward and brainwashed and bigoted. God accepts all of us. The way of truth is maligned. This is a church. You know what's scary? There are churches out there of believers. I know you'll debate me. That are homosexual churches the way of truth has been maligned cuz that's what we want i know the question can a believer be a homosexual i'm not going there but it's twisted and perverted because believers can be we naturally want to go in the wrong direction years ago i was on the phil donahue show actually let me let me qualify that phil donahue had a special If you remember Phil Donahue, on the stage, you know, he had people on the stage. There was a group called Fundamentalist Anonymous. Fundamentalist Anonymous. This is what he had on the stage. Supposed, maybe they were believers who've gotten out of the rigidity of praying, reading, worship, giving, doing all that. They've been set free. And so they're on the stage. Now, Phil Donahue knew that the audience was going to be in favor of them. So what he did was he called the Calvary Church of New York and he gave them 20 tickets for the believers to come. And they put a special section right here for 20 guinea pigs. Oh, he knew. He was setting us up for the kill. The wolf and the lamb. And We were all sitting there. And Calvary, of their 20 seats, they called the Messianics, us, and chosen people and said, we have two seats. So Michael Rodelnik and myself sat there with them. And we sat there in the twenty. The lamb was prepared for the slaughter. And the audience loved these people up here. Ah, oh, those crazy backward believers that teach the way of salvation is only by putting trust in Yeshua, the Messiah. And Phil Donahue says, well, we have some of them right over here. And there we sat, the 20 of us. And I never forgot, I'm so thankful. that when Phil Donahue came over with the mic for millions of people, he pinpointed Michael Rodelnik. And he had him stand up. Oh, thank you, God. I was so thankful. I could barely sit next to him. I was sweating so much. Thinking he might ask me a question. But he set us up for the kill. Because these supposed believers, and I think some were still believers, said, no, 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 no. You don't have to just accept Yeshua. That is really limited. You don't have to read the Bible to have a relationship with God. We have a good life. You don't have to pray. You don't have to be stuck in those congregations every week, because Peter warns you in verse two, and he says, "Many will follow their sensuality." That's what we do. We naturally go in the wrong direction. Believers don't want a, a truth that's objective. They want no. they want everything relative. Anything goes, except those backward believers. Two, I said they will teach you heresy. Two, they will lead you astray. And three, they will take advantage of you. The false teachers—they're out to destroy you and take advantage of you. Peter says, and he writes here in Second uh, Peter two three. And in their greed, these false teachers—in their greed, they're wanting, they're craving money, making our faith a business, making commercializing on it, telling you stories and wild fanciful stories. That are not genuine and not true. I tease my kids and me. and I'm sort of joking. It's not 100% true. But I I make a statement. Because the kids know. I'm so skeptical. Of so many things you people tell me in the world. I joked with them. And I tell my kids. Believe half of what you see. And nothing of what you hear. No, I don't do that. But it's to make a point. There's so many weird stories. Don't just buy into them. There's people who are out there for greed to gain and take advantage of you and suck you in. And Peter says, their greed, they will exploit you with all kinds of false words. I write down their charlatans, their quacks. They claim power that God's power is upon them. They claim the knowledge of God's word. They don't have it. They claim power and knowledge and skill. Listen carefully. Many, many people use our faith and quote, believing they're imposters, the healers. I'm sorry. I do believe God can heal. I'm sorry. It's the exception. You're going to die. Sorry. He may heal you. Praise God. But do we pray for it? Of course we pray. And God does miracles. It's the exception, not the rule. Those who claim you should always be healed, and they can heal you, don't believe. Touch the television screen. Everyone, reach out. Touch the screen. Touch the screen, you'll be healed. By the way, send me a lot of money too. Anyway, don't believe them. You should be rich. You're a child of the king. You got the riches of the world. You have to be rich and prosperous. Everyone should have money. The only one who benefits is the guy who's preaching it. You're sending all his money. Someone told me this week, they said his father taught that we need to be prosperous and rich and wealthy. I said, is he? He goes, oh, no, he has nothing. Anyway, they're out there to exploit you. You know what Peter's saying? Be on guard. Be on guard of the teaching I'm sorry that you get from TBN. Jimmy Swaggart. No, I get a kick out of watching him. I do. He's a real entertainer, isn't he? Yeah, I know some of you say so. Am I? But anyway, Jimmy Swaggart's an entertainer. My father-in-law used to say, well, "Hey, watch with me. Watch, 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 watch him." He used to love it. This Jewish man from Europe, this little guy. He's a guy. Oh, watch this guy. He's real good. Watch him. Watch, watch him. And he would tell me, "Watch him now. Watch him. Watch him carefully. I'm watching." He says, Oh, "Watch. He's going to start crying right now." <laughs> he says, "Oh, he called him, You know what he called Jimmy Swaggart? The crybaby." Because he knew when to cry. He knew when to pull the strings. Be careful. TV evangelists. What was it? PTL. James Baker. Exploiting you. Greed. Taking advantage of you. Beware of them. Most TV evangelists and radio people are quacks and thieves. What do I trust? Read the word of God every morning. Talk to God. Find a congregation that you trust and believe is teaching the word of God. These people are out to destroy you. And Peter says, in their greed, Second 2 Peter 2.3, in their greed they will exploit you with false words. Their judgment, God sees. It's not from long ago. It's not idle. Their destruction is not asleep. What he's really saying is they're not getting away with it. God will judge them. Listen, either in this life or the next. I know we want it now. But God's in control. The first thing I wanted to tell you today, really, that's the message. Beware. False teachers will arise to destroy your faith. The second thing really is pretty much a summary and it's an application of that. The second thing and fill it in is believers should be warned. They're coming. They're coming to get you. Be warned and be equipped. Fill it in quickly. We should be aware. Be aware. And you should be equipped against False teachers. They're coming. Trust me, they're coming within our midst. They're coming to destroy us. You should know what you believe and know why you believe. The two books I highly recommend is from a guy named, write it down, Paul Little. He writes two famous books. I studied them at Moody. I studied them at Dallas. Two good books. They're right, written for the lame and they're very good. And the books are no Why you believe. Two, know what you believe. Great books. Be warned to be equipped. The apostle Paul in the book of Acts, chapter twenty, is on his way back to Jerusalem, hurrying. He wants to get to Jerusalem by the Jewish feasts. Luke is writing the account. And Paul has to stop by Ephesus. And as he's going toward Ephesus. He spent some time there. He knows the people there. He knows the elders. But he knows if he goes to Ephesus, he's stuck for a little while. He's not going to get back to Jerusalem. So he stops in a little seaport town called Miletus. And Paul stops there and he sends some people. Bring the elders. Bring them to me on the beach. And I want to tell them a couple of things. My parting words to the elders in Ephesus. And Paul preaches the message. Luke describes it for it in the book of Acts chapter 20. And basically, Paul tells us this. He tells these elders This is how you take care of the flock of God. This is how you care for the people. He says, one, preach the word of God. Two, he says, provide for the needs of the people. That's all separate. But the third thing, I want you to see what he says. Protect the people from false teachers on the beach. And it says, and we have the account written to us in Acts 20, verse 28. Be on guard, he says to these elders on the beach... Be on guard for yourselves. Listen. How can you be on guard? How can you be safe? I'll tell you how you can. Every day, get up and read the word of God. That's how you protect yourself. If by some chance, there's exceptions, you get up late and you have to run. Make sure you don't go to sleep at night without reading the word of God. Don't let a day go by. That's how you protect yourself. Pray. Every day. That's how you guard your heart. Obey what God tells you to do. That's how you guard yourselves. Worship God every week. Are you telling me to be a legalistic? No, but it is good to be in the presence of God and his people. God is in our midst. That's how you guard yourselves. Give to God. Worship God. Guard your heart. Be on guard, Paul says, to the elders. We all tell each other, this is how you get equipped. Be on guard for yourselves. And also, not just guard yourselves, guard each other. He says, be on guard for yourselves. And also all the people, all the flock, among whom the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, guard them all. Shepherd the people of the congregation of God, which is so valuable to believers that Yeshua himself died and shed his blood. Therefore, Paul says to them, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one of you with tears. He cried out for the protection, be on guard. I remember in Brooklyn, I was a new believer pretty much a couple years. I got this one guy got saved. He was a wild character. Really, he was wild and uncontrolled. He was an ex-policeman who got caught for drugs, so he was thrown off the force. He was a wild, crazy person. i call him Crazy Sam. But I developed a good relationship with him, and I started to disciple him in teaching him. And he would sit there and go, Oh, man, this is good. This is good stuff. He'd go, Oh, this is rich. Anyway, say, This is good. And we had great times. And I discipled him. Then all of a sudden, I remembered, one day he called me at like 5 in the morning. You're all wrong. You don't know what you're teaching. I said, what do you mean? He said, everything you taught me is wrong, wrong. I said, whoa, whoa, wait, wait a second. Come over. Met with him. Three more hours. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. I was, I was crazy. I met this guy on the beach and he started to, I said, oh, you're right. He says, no, you're, I, you're, you're the man. You're, you're, you're it. Then the next week he comes knocking on my door. What is wrong with you? Why do you teach me this when it's not true? I said, now what? And he found somebody else who led him. This went on and on and on. He was so easily led astray. We have to guard the flock of God. It was so hard because this guy constantly wanted to go astray. We need to guard one another. We need to be equipped. Look what it says. We know the verse, Ephesians 6. Put on the full armor of God. Get ready so that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. And then I wrote separately, the devil, his demons, the false teachers, false philosophers, for our struggle is not just against flesh and blood, humans, but also against the rulers, against powers, against world forces of darkness, against the political, the spiritual, (laughs) forgive me, little slip there, Uh, spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you might be able to resist, persevere, persevere, Endure, stand firm in the evil day. And having done everything, stand firm. He says, stand firm, therefore, girding, having girded your loins with truth, the truth of God's word. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, serving God and pleasing him according to the word. Having, your, uh, having shod your feet as you walk with the preparations of the gospel of peace. Peace, teaching people to put their trust in Messiah, preaching the gospel. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, trust in God, which will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and false teachers. In the end times, Paul says to Timothy, the Spirit explicitly says, in these latter times, some will fall away from the faith. It's natural. Paying attention to deceitful demons, spirits, doctrines of demons, Matthew, beware of the false prophets. You don't know where they're going to arise. Who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravenous wolves. They want to destroy you. We should beware, he says. Be aware and be equipped. Fill it in quickly. This is a touching thing. We should be comforted that God will deal justly. We should be comforted in God's grace. We should be comforted in God's justice. Listen carefully to me. It is worth Serving the Lord today. Doesn't mean you're going to be rich. Doesn't mean you're going to be healthy. Doesn't mean everything's going to go smooth and go through. You may have sickness. Your children might rebel. Your spouse could leave you. You might be poor. Your cars will break down. You'll get sick. Listen. It is worth living your life for Him and serving Him forever. Because God sees all. He will bless you possibly now and certainly for all eternity. I love this little dialogue. Follow along with me. Malachi 3. The believers are saying, is it worth living for Him when I get nothing out of it? Then those who feared the Lord, that's your fanatic or average believer, those who feared the Lord spoke to each other. And the Lord gave attention and heard what they were saying in a sense. And God says a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who esteem his name. God remembers and understands what you're going through. And he says, they will be mine, says the Lord of hosts. On that day that I prepare my own possession, I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. So you will again distinguish. God will show us clearly between the righteous and the wicked because the one who be, uh, between the one who serves God and the one who does not. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, mark it, learn it, memorize it. Psalm 56, 8. You have taken account of all my wanderings. That means God watches every step you take today. From the day you were born till the day you die. Or, um, you have taken account of my wanderings. Put my tears, my heartache, my pain in your bottles. Remember me. Are they not written in your book? God sees it all. Everything you do for him. It's worth it. Believers sometimes think it's not worth it. I I see the wicked. They don't suffer like me. They're blessed. I don't know why. I'm the one who serves God and I suffer. Psalm 73. The spiritual godly man said this in his heart. But as for me, my feet, they came close to stumbling. My steps had almost slipped. I almost gave way. I almost said it's not worth it. For I became envious of the arrogant. As I saw the prosperity prosperity of the wicked. I as a believer look at the prosperity of the wicked. And I get jealous. Why are they prospering and not me? I'm serving God. I'm serving the king of kings. I should be rich and blessed and prosperous and healthy. I became envious of them. He says, there are no pains in their death. They don't suffer like me. Their body is fat. That's what I want. Not fat. Prosperous, it means. They're not in trouble like me. Nor are they plagued like me. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They get away with it. The garment of violence covers them. Their eyes bulge with fatness. Imagination of their hearts runs riot. They mock. They wickedly speak of oppression. They speak from on high. They've set their mouths against the heavens. Their tongue parades in the earth. They're arrogant and boastful. Behold, these are the wicked. They're always at ease. They've always increased in their wealth. Surely in vain I've been pure. What a waste. I shouldn't have served the Lord in vain. That means the show's going to end? Get rid of them? Anyway, I've been stricken all day long, chastened every morning. If I said this, I would betray the generation of your God's children. When I pondered, believers pondered to understand this, it was troublesome in my sight. It is troublesome. Until I came into the presence of God, sanctuary, then I perceived it's just for a moment. They're not really prosperous. Surely, he says, surely you've set them in slippery places. Feel sorry for the the righteous, those who are parading against God. You will cast them down to destruction. How they're destroyed in a moment. They're utterly swept away by sudden terror. God will deal justly. Either in our life or not. In the next, we can trust God. Write it in quickly. Number C. We should trust God. We should live for him. And we should know God's word. That's how you equip yourself. We should be aware and equipped. We should be comforted in his justice. We should trust him, live for him, and know the Bible. We should trust God. In that same psalm, look what the psalmist says. Verse 25. Who do I have in heaven but you? And beside you I desire nothing on earth. Let me tell you many times in my own prayer... In the mornings, I have said, Lord, I know I have a wife who loves me, kids who love me, congregation. And I don't mean this disrespectful, but I do say this in my prayer. Lord, I have no one on this earth but you. He's the one who loves me the most and cares for me. I can live my life for him. I can trust him even if I have to die. I will put my trust in in him whom do i have in heaven or on earth nobody but him he's the one who will ultimately judge the wicked i have no one he says my heart my flesh my flesh and my heart may fail but god's the strength of my heart my portion forever for behold those who are far from you they will perish you have destroyed all those who are unfaithful to you but as for me the nearness of god that's what i want That's what I want every morning as I pray. I want the nearness of God. I want to be overwhelmed with God's presence every morning. Sorry to say, but sometimes coffee helps. Clears the cobwebs. The nearness of God. That's what you want. Every day. That's my prayer. Every Saturday morning. That you leave here and say, God was here. God's got to be here. you got to trust him. Live your life. Give it all up for him. It is worth it. um, But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. I've made the Lord God my refuge, that I might tell of all God's works. And finally, he says, the word of God. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. I can't stress that enough. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Messiah richly dwell in you with all teaching, wisdom, admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Finally, in Acts 20.32, that message that Paul was preaching to the people, the elders on the beach in Miletus, he says, and now I command you to God and the word of his grace. Get in the word of God. It's the greatest thing you can do in your life, which is able to build you up Give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Who are sancti- among all those who are sanctified. What do we say today? Really, everyone look up here now. Beware. Be equipped. That's what Peter is teaching. Statement: we should be warned. Be on guard. Listen, everyone, look up here. They are coming to get you. Be on guard. Be equipped. Know God's word, pray, worship, be equipped against the false teachers because they're out there to destroy and ruin your lives. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you that Peter tried to warn us and Moses tried to warn us and Elijah tried to warn us. Jeremiah and Ezekiel tried to warn us and Jude tried to warn us. I guess behind all this, Lord, you're warning us. False teachers, false philosophers, false ideas are there to ruin our faith. Help us to trust you, to be comforted that you'll deal with evil and that we should live our lives for you and be in your word. For we ask all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. So I'll stand together. We're going to conclude. We want to conclude with a benediction and a good Shabbat Shalom to everyone. Let's all bow together for the benediction. Yevarech ha'adonai v'yishma'arechah Yo'er Adonai ponavalecha v'chunekah Yos'adonai ponavalecha v'yishma'arechah Shalom Shalom the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you His peace. B'Shem Yeshua Meshachinu. Baruch HaBah and Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. In our Messiah Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. Shabbat Shalom.